Welcome back to another episode of the Football Tap. Um, obviously, there's a lot of domestic stuff uh, into the domestic leagues, Bundesliga, Syria, uh, mostly with with some other stuff uh, thrown in there. Um, as a, as well as talking about Roma and the Champions League and the Europa League and all this stuff. Um, so we're gonna get right into it. But before I do, I want to mention something. Uh, my boy Tony, uh, a longtime friend of mine, is um, is working on a, a theme song for the show. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I don't know exactly when um, it's going to be featured. Um, I think um, he, he's going to work on it tonight, and then, uh, but in in the near future, we're going to have a theme theme song for this show, and I'm I'm super super excited. And uh, when the time comes, I'll let everybody know um, uh, that it's going to come out, and then I'm also, I'll also uh, of course uh, um, share um, where you can find some of more some more of his music because he's. Um, He's a really amazing young artist, and uh, I want to put him on a little bit too. And um, collaborating on this um, shit right here, um, I think we need a, a song for the show to, to just um, to kick it off. Because again, very very new show. I think this is my sixth episode, um, and I think um, this is exactly what we need to to kind of keep it moving. But anyway, <laughs> um, with that being said, we're gonna kick it off um, um, from from the Champions League and everything. Uh, happening at the moment, um, and uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, a lot of these teams in, in the Champions League and, and Europa League and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and there's a lot of stuff that was important to kind of uh, mainstayed. Uh, but we, it was a great Champions League uh, uh, midweek this 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 week. Um, uh, but anyway, so I, first, before anything, I go anywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start with Roma. I'm going to talk about the game against um, Lecce that we saw on on, su on Sunday, and then we're going to talk about what happened tonight in um, in Betis against Real Betis in the Europa League. Uh, a very interesting result that Roma got there. Um, so, without further ado, uh, let's let's get going. Uh, anyway, so Roma um, obviously come into a big, uh, not a big game, but Roma want to continue to collect points. Uh, especially as we see um, a couple teams pick up steam at the top of the summit. We saw AC Milan beat Juventus with a very convincing performance against a Juve side that are, are just horrible. We saw Napoli continue to keep things rolling. They they just look like an incredible side that can, can go out and do big things. Um, Luciano Spalletti was was highly criticized for this job that he took, and he's, he's transformed um, this Napoli side into something truly special. And as much as it burns me to say that, they are a, a, an absolute contender for this get out of this season. Um, we've seen other things kind of transpire as well. Um, but but remember, Roma, smacked sm 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 up is not the word. They beat Inter last weekend um, in an incredible uh, result. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I did record a, re a podcast, but my, my sound wasn't on, so I, 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 I ended up not doing it. But the, 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 the big performance against uh, Inter was so important. We see um, Dybala um, with an amazing goal in that game and then Smalling um, winning the game for, for Inter. Inter actually does well beyond that point. They they get a win against you. Uh, we'll talk about this. I'm going to talk about this in a bit. But they get a win against um, Barcelona in Barca. Sorry, in Milan. They beat Sassuolo on the weekend. And then they uh, yesterday they got, a point, they got an important point. Um, at the camp now against Barcelona, um, as I like to call them, corrupt Barcelona. Um, 
But prior to that, Roma kind of put them into this weird spiral after, because Roma had gone down in that game. They come back, they win. Um, a lot of confidence, momentum. They beat Inter for the first time since 2017. They go into the Europa League la this last Thursday against an incredibly well-oiled machine in Real Betis. Going into the game on Thursday, actually, I think it's still the case. Going into this game and going into the game last Thursday, um, Betis had been coming off a, a really great season. The, they've only lost two games this season, and that was to Celtic Vigo and Real Madrid. They're looking really good. In Europe, they're unbeaten. They were they were flying high. They were flying high going into the game. Um, obviously, uh, Roma played a good performance against them last year, but I mean last week. But I really feel like Betis were kind of um, collapsing at a bit. Um, sorry, not Betis. Roma didn't have that that um, overarching performance. We knew it was going to be tough. Um, Betis was the one who dictated a lot of things going into this, and they they pushed, they pushed, they pushed. Um, we saw incredible individual brilliance from uh, from uh, P Pedri Gonzalez. Uh, sorry, Pen Pedri Rodriguez. Um, sorry, Rodri uh, Rodriguez, who is who is someone that Rome is looking at. But personally, from my standpoint, um, after the game uh, from last week, I was talking about uh, Sergio Canales. If you want to see my um, my stuff on that t particular topic. Uh, I go on Instagram and I, I, I detail why I think Canales is a perfect sort of type of player for this Mourinho midfield that it's not a bad midfield. It's a decent midfield, uh, especially, but it's, it's struggling just because Gini Wijnaldum is still not available um, after his injury. And uh, we're, we have Matic and then we have Cristante and uh, Matty Camaro who hasn't had that much time. But, but and you can like Aguero Bove and some of the younger guys too. But, but it's a midfield that needs upgrading a bit. And after the game last Thursday, I saw Sergio Canales as the, the, the absolute um, answer for this problem. Not problem, that problem is not the right word. Um, for the situation coming into a, a really good uh, bet aside that, that really did outplay Roma for large portions of that game. Um, Roma get a penalty in that game. Dybala hits it. Every, everything is, is swimmingly. Um, and then, but then Betis go go right back and, and convert. And, and even though Roma had those chances in the second half of, of the game in Rome last Thursday, um, Betis managed to get get it in the end with um, Luis Enrique, uh, a young Brazilian that they have just uh, brought from uh, from Brazil. Um, I don't remember the team name, and he scored an absolute astounding header at the end. And and uh, yeah, there there are certain things uh, stipulations about what Roma needed to needed to do better in general. Uh, it was a it was a tough pill to swallow because then Roma had to um, build on that and go to Spain and take on Betis. And um, look, as, as as far as the Spanish um, uh, fan bases, Betis is the top. Uh, Madrid isn't it? Uh, Barcelona isn't it? Madrid has booed Cristiano Ronaldo before. Uh, Barcelona is very um, at in its peak. It was excellent, but Betis is always a tough place to play. Regardless of who you are or, or at what point you are in, in the season or how they're playing, they get behind. They're, they're energetic. They're, they're very, um, they're very um, incredible. Um, but, but, but before, I'm going to get to that in a second. I want to backtrack a bit to what happened on Sunday, just real fast. All right, um, real quick. So the, the Sunday game, um, um, there's, there's a few things that needed to be highlighted um, from that match. Um, it, um, 
obviously, Roma, not necessarily was at their best. It wasn't a, a true uh, performance that it should have been. And obviously, we know the record with Roma and newly promoted sides. They have an almost spotless record. I think it's something like in the last 40 games, it's um, only one draw, two draws and a loss, and they've won every all the rest of the game. So newly promoted side for whatever reason. Roma managed to uh, to just be on top of it. Um, it was a tough one, though. Um, Roma started really well. Smalling scoring again off, off a set. And it wasn't even a set piece. It was a cross into the box where he, where he put away. Um, unfortunately, Lecce comes back, and boom, they, they get it. And then, um, obviously, Roma dominate the game. They have a lot of the ball. Um, they probably should have scored on a few more occasions. Um, Mourinho went with uh, a slightly different look um, on that, but it, it seemed to work for the most part. But then in the second half, uh, actually first, um, they got Lecce got a, a, a red card on a um, on a dangerous tackle on Belotti. Um, I don't know if it was a red, but that's just the way it went. Um, considering the amount of penalties that Roma should have got in the Alanta game, I think that Roma deserve. Four horrible calls go in their favor. Anyway, um, Roma go into the second half. They're really aggressive at the start. Um, Tammy just uh, goes straight into the box and is taken down um, by the defense. A penalty is given um, to Roma. Paolo Dybala, as expected, picks up the ball, puts it down, converts. Unfortunately, and this is this is the scary bit of of the match. Is it he? As he scores the penalty, you see him in a little bit of pain. Um, he had to be taken off immediately. Um, uh, Naminia Mate came in to replace him, and we had a little Tammy and, and Balati action up top. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, one um, just because... Actually, Balati might have been taken off at halftime. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I know he wasn't. Spinatola was. Um, anyway... Um, Roma hold on to win the game. Lecce kind of pushed into Roma's box, but the defense did, did a fairly good job of, of keeping them at distance. Roma had multiple opportunities to, uh, through Abraham, who really needs to step up now, um, and we're not quite seeing the, the Abraham that we saw last season, and um, and we need to kind of get him back into the, that form. Um, but but regardless, um, so Roma win this game uh, 2-1. Um, they're in a good. They're in a good space. They 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 were in uh, third place or they were in the top four for a moment. Um, but another result pushed them down a little bit. But they're within points of, of Champions League football, which is good. Um, unfortunately, Paulo Dybala has been. Um, it was a torn hamstring. Um, he is expected to miss four to eight weeks. Um, I'm hoping hoping for his um, account that it's four weeks and not eight. Um, but if you're looking at this from a Roma perspective, unfortunately, he's going to miss Napoli, and he's going to miss Lazio. Now, Dybala is in those games. I think Roma can can get potentially four points from those two. Um, I think as a Ro Romans just go into the Lazio game as favorites, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but but they there's reasons to be confident um, in doing so. Um, but the miss, missing the Napoli game could be dangerous. They're, they're playing out of their absolute gourd at the moment. 
and they're not they're not really finding too much difficulties. Now, could Roma provide them a difficulty potentially? Um, remember, Napoli were unbeaten to start the season, or they they'd won all their games until they they played Roma. They got a draw in the Roma game in the first Roma game to to kind of um, be their first um, challenge of adversity. Um, they obviously stay in the title race until the very end. They slip out. Roma, be, uh, Roma, Elster Arby uh, scores a, a late goal against Napoli to get a point. Then Napoli used to Fiorentina. Then Napoli used to Empoli, and that was their title race. But, but you know, so so Roma has the potential. But in that in that situation, you're thinking that Dybala is the guy who makes the difference because in the Inter Milan game, when things weren't exactly going well, Dybala was the one to make the difference. In this game. The ball was the one to make the difference, and, and obviously he scores a penalty that wins Roma the game, and and Roma continue to pick up points, but now the ball is out, um, and re- regardless, we know that the is injury has some injury bad injury history. Um, I think this is good news because it's it's not severe, and he's only going to he's only actually going to miss I don't know a handful of games uh, this season, and he still will be ready to go. Um, Second half of the season, obviously, there's hopefulness that he can still make it for the World Cup. Um, as as everybody knows, um, he was not picked when they won the Copa America two years ago. I think that was harsh on him, and um, so he really wants to go and join this Argentina team that is expected to win the World Cup or one of the favorites to win the World Cup. Um, but from a Roma perspective. People were wondering why Roma celebrated so dramatically when when we talked about the potential of Paulo Dybala um, influencing this team and the way we celebrate, et cetera, et cetera. Even though he got hurt, the way he has impacted this team, the way he's made a difference in the big games, the way the, the Roma now have a playmaker that can change a game in any moment. And Roma, for large parts of it, hasn't haven't had that in a long time. So obviously, Dybala is a really, really unfortunate situation for Roma to deal with right now. Um, again, the the prognosis is positive, um, but it puts a lot of pressure on a couple in particular, Tammy Abraham, who's not quite been as good as he was last season. It's been a little struggle. His clinical finishing is needs to be needs to be better. I mean, there's 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 no way getting around that sort of idea. But it, it just it absolutely needs to be better. And the, the sharper he is in front of goal, the better. Secondly, Bellotti. I think he's done a good job as a number two. He's got two goals this season, um, both in Europe, Europa League, but still. Um, I, I think they got to go uh, for what they can get from this. And those two need to find a way to, to communicate well and, and improve in front of those goals, especially in big games like Lazio and Napoli. Um, and then Zaniolo. Um, now we've seen the very best of Zaniolo, and we've seen the very worst of Zaniolo this season. Um, but if he can be consistent during this campaign and continue to build on that, uh, you know, the Europa League try—sorry, the Conference League try from last year—he scored that goal, um, and so on and so forth. It will be—it will be only do good for for the team. I'm not too worried about defensively. I'm not too worried about the. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not worried about it, but I think the pressure of Dybala's absence is on the attack, so the attack needs to come through. I'm not worried about Pellegrini because he's going to get the balls into dangerous areas where Abraham and um, Bellotti can go and 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 go and thrive and, and get those those opportunities for 
for this Roma team. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on that for them to do that. Um, obviously, um, so so that's an unfortunate thing. Um, another thing from that match is um, Nikola Zalowski uh, is a such is such a talented boy. Um, we we know that uh, Zalik had uh, got injured and he's going to be out for a little while. Um, who who Rick Karsdorp, who's on that right side, also get injured um, earlier this season. He's back in training, but for the for the time being, we're going to see Zalowski, the young the young pole, as I call him, um, come up um, and and perform and get 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 more minutes under his belt. He was so good in the uh, conference league last season, and I, I think he's he's just a player that Roma really value at a high level. Teams like Borussia Dortmund and PSG. Um, among a, cu- a couple others I don't remember, are very interested in signing him. Uh, Roma are made their intentions clear. He's one of the players on this squad that is untouchable, along with uh, Pellegrini and Abraham, at least for the time being. Obviously, Abraham can get um, that can be undone by the, the by the buyback clause from Chelsea, but that's about it. Um, yeah, he, he he just played. So anyway, uh, Zalowski played just an unbelievable. Um, uh, a game. I, I think he provides a ton attacking wise, um, and when you he's just 20 years old and already has, has made a big statement and is making big uh, time uh, uh, moments for this Roma team. He was outstanding in that game. Um, I think um, he he's somebody who you want to continue to build up his confidence and let him let him kind of fly um, during uh, during these these type of situations and. And yeah, he was absolutely outstanding um, in the in the game against Lecce, and I think we're going to continue to build into that. You know, Polish international already got seven caps for Poland, um, has been with the Roma Academy for uh, several years. Um, he was a guy that we had heard about for a long time, and uh, and um, I remember him uh, scoring a goal in the Europa League uh, against Manchester United. Um, under Fonseca, which was a little earlier, and then last season he had his breakthrough season. And this season he's he he was he, did, he was very ambitious. He got himself in dangerous positions. He almost scored on one occasion. Um, so when you look at what Roma can do, despite their injuries, I think Zalowski is someone that's going to really step up and make a big difference on this team that is uh, that has that has high expectations and ambitions. Um, for themselves, and we're going to see. I think we're going to see the Roma team continue to build on it and become something really special. Uh, but, but I think the kid is special. I think he's an outstanding talent. I think when you're talking about young players in his age group, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, um, I think Zalowski is among the most elite of that position. Um, again, it's it's a little Theo Hernandez syndrome. He's not great defensively, but he does have the athleticism to get back. In when he's when he's pushing forward, uh, when that uh, things happen, he may not be the most equipped defensively. But but Theo Hernandez has improved each season defensively for AC Milan. I think uh, Zalowski can improve in those areas because uh, remember um, he is not a wing back by nature. He was I think he was a striker and attacking midfielder outside uh, outside winger for for the for the Roma Primavera. But seeing an outstanding performance from him was was absolutely spectacular um, in all aspects of it, and I think he's going to continue to grow in this Roman team, especially under a manager like uh, like Jose Mourinho. So, Roma going to this game against Real Betis in Spain. 
like I said earlier, one of the most passionate fan bases in, in probably the most passionate fans in Spain in their own house. They had they have not lost many games this season. Those two the losses were to Celtic Vigo and Real Madrid are the only ones. They did drop points this weekend uh, in a 0-0 draw, but they're not losing games. It's a very tough place to play, and um, as a fan, I go into this game with no confidence. I, As much as I, I back themselves without Dybala, without Zaniola, because Zaniola got sent off in the last game, um, I didn't feel very confident about uh, uh, them doing that, um, but I, I really do think that there's, there's something to be said about about the, the best team and, and how good they are, and, and Manuel Pellegrini being the the guy that he is for um, for that team, and and him going there, winning the Copa del Rey last season. This is a tough team with so many interesting pieces that are going to make things difficult. Um, uh, I, th I thought best case scenario was a draw, and remember, um, uh, um, uh, Lugaretz and Helsinki are the other two games. Um, Betis has already beaten each of them once. Roma has beaten one and, and lost to another. Um, but they will play the Bulgarians in Rome. So a point here gives them the platform to win their final two games and still qualify through second. But qualifying through first was going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, and they would basically have to beat them in Spain for that to be a realistic possibility because they already had nine points, um, I believe, uh, going into this. Yeah, they had nine points because they beat Helsinki, they beat um, Lugarets, and they beat Roma uh, last time at, at the death at the Olympico. Um, so all things considered, they uh, Roma needed to beat them. Um, and they, again, even if they did beat them, because Roma would have gone from from three points to six, so it'd be six. To, there's still a three point gap. They need they didn't help anyway. So basically, uh, the group was basically decided. Um, after, when they when Roma lost to them um, in in, um, in in Rome, so uh, again a lot of a lot of pressure for them to at least to get something because if they don't get anything, if they lose to Betis in Spain, they're still standing they're still standing on on three points, um, which uh, is not good enough. Lugarets ended up beating Helsinki today, putting them on seven points. So this was. Again, if Roma had lost this game, it would have been very difficult. Um, now, uh, with that being said, I want to look at this uh, this game. Um, it went better than I expected. I expected to be beaten. I expected things to be difficult, and it, it was difficult. And the one player I highlighted from last week's game was Sergio Canales, who's, who's been around the league a long time. He played for um, Real Sociedad, I believe. He's played for Be He actually plays for Betis now. Um, he played for Valencia, and he played for Real Madrid briefly. So, uh, and he played for Racing um, racing something. Um, so he's played for five different La Liga teams. He's been a constant uh, uh, performer in a lot of these games. Um, and he's, he's, he's done this a long time, and he's, he's a difference maker. He's just, he's exactly what Roma needed in the midfield. Uh, as I said, uh, as I suggested last week, that we, we really need to look at, at him as a pot potential possibility. Of course, we knew this guy was going to give us problems, and that's exactly what happened. They, um, Canales uh, uh, puts, puts Betis in front, and, and Roma are in a difficult and challenging um, situation at the moment um, with, with how the game was going. Um, but, you know, Roma played well. They, no one, they, 
they didn't dominate, but they had opportunities to score goals. And then in the second half, they, they found that opportunity. It was Pellegrini um, finding a ball who Madi Kamara made a beautiful run. Um, Bilotti makes a beautiful run. Um, and um, Madi Kamara spits, splits the keeper into Bilotti. Bilotti scores an open goal. And, you know, Roma are back in business. Um, with that, that goal, um, they were able to hold it on. They were able to hold on until the finish. Um, a really um, good performance in the end. Um, again, it is difficult still because they do need to beat Lugarets. They can't, don't drop, no points, no nothing. They need to beat Lugarets in Rome. They cannot, that's the only conclusion of that game that can occur, and they need to beat Helsinki. Now, Betis, Betis are probably winning the group. We know this. Um, but Roma still have an opportunity to, to, to qualify. They need to beat both of those teams um, to do so. Um, and four points from first three games isn't good enough. We know this. Without Dybala, though, they managed to go there and get a point. If he was on the pitch, maybe they would have won the game. So it's, it's, it's a hard thing to judge at this stage. But we're looking at a game where there's so much being put, put, in, put into to play here because uh, now there's all this pressure on them to, to beat uh, Lugarets in Helsinki. Lugarets beat them in, in Bulgaria, but Roma dominated that game, and the whole reason they lost that game is because they couldn't they couldn't uh, hit the back of the net. Um, so it's something I think um, will need to be looked at as far as uh, um, kind of approaching that game. But Roma do the impossible; they end up not impossible, but, but they they end up going into the Lugarets, um, sorry, into Betis, and they steal a point, which I think is 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 a wonderful thing, uh, just because it sets them up for two two big time uh, uh, games and I think they don't have to pl the, the team that they have left are, are not as good as them so the Lugarets will be difficult but I think they Roma can get them there and and uh, obviously they have to go play Helsinki in Finland um, again they, they have I think a point on, on uh, this this group so I do think that Roma will be able to get through but um, um, them getting a point in Spain is, is you know I think is 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 the best they could have hoped for and um and we'll see how roma goes they're they're going to play sampdoria this weekend i believe that game is away i think that's in, at the uh uh ferrari luigi ferraris um sampdoria I, I believe are at the bottom of the table um the, the game next to that is napoli which is which is the game um so that's another thing they, they need to perform well they need we need to see more out of tammy um again I don't like criticizing him because he's such a lovable figure, but um, he just needs to be better. I think Bellotti, um needs to show something against Sampdoria. This is the bottom of the table. Roma should be waltzing through this game. Um, and I think we're going to see more progression from the likes of and Spinatola on the sides. And defending, they Roma defended, have defended fairly well this season. Um, I don't think they've conceded more than one goal. Um, this season in the league, other than um, other than the game at Udinese, so uh, I think Roma are doing well there. I think Rui Patricio doesn't look as sharp, um, and maybe we have to see what what uh, uh, Silivar has. Um, but looking at a goalkeeper for the future, maybe something that we really have to explore at some point. But for for the, for the right here right now. I think Roma need to focus on on playing well against Sampdoria, and and making a statement that uh, that they are they are 
they are a team that should be is not going to be an easy match for Napoli. They need to they need to perform well and they need to get as many points as possible until Napoli. So a big three points this weekend on Monday will be huge for them. Um, but then remember, Napoli follows, and that's going to be as tough as ever, uh, uh, especially how they're playing and the, and the, the players that they have that have, that make such a big difference. So, um, you know, the Spain thing, they go, they go into Spain, uh, Betis, they, they get the point, but um, and that, that's a very good good point for them to get. There's still work to be done in the Europa League, but now the shift, uh, the focus needs to shift to the Serie A, getting the result against Sampdoria and making it convincing uh, setting up a big clash for Napoli, which will be uh, which will be definitely one to watch uh, for these Romans. All right, let's just take a look through Syria. I talked about Rome for a while, and, and this is going to be what I'm going to do to start most of my episodes here. Um, uh, so let's 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 take a look at, at what occurred um, this last weekend. Inter beats Sassuolo um, after after getting a, a a win against Barcelona on. Last week, um, they come in here, um, I think away, yep, uh, in Sassuolo, Sus- uh, away from, eh. they, they beat Sassuolo uh, 2-1, Jacko with a brace, he's now on 100 Serie A league goals, um, obviously most of those coming wearing the, 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 uh, the, uh, the wolf in uh, Roma, um, but has been been a fairly decent um, acquisition by uh, by Inter um, over the last two years. I mean, there wasn't a lot of a praise about them pulling off the deal, especially his age at that time when he made the move. But but two goals for Jacko as as they as Inter beat um, as 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 Inter beats a swallow. Um, he scores twice. Um, and um, yeah, so they get back on track. That that Roma loss really. Uh, sunk with them and, and they get after it and they they win against Barcelona a couple days after be- losing to Roma and then they uh, obviously uh, they, they win in the league um, now Jekyll has only four goals this uh, season um, in uh, let's see 13 games um, last year he had 17 goals um, uh, uh, for, for Inter 13 in the league it's pretty damn good um, he's been a very good um, uh, player for, for, for Inter over the last two years, um, despite how, how certain things have gone um, collectively. Um, uh, Copa Italia win with Inter last year, um, missed out on winning trophies with Rome, which is, which is a very devastating thing, obviously. Um, obviously, Milan putting more gas on the fire to Juventus. A weird, uh, interesting stat here. Uh, Tomori has two goals in his Serie A career. Both of them have come against Juventus, and then, I mean, how good was the was the solo goal by uh, by Ibrahim Diaz? Um, they were the better team; they dominated. Only three uh, strikes on target, but uh, this is why I think AC Milan have a good chance to win the league. They know how to deal with difficult situations, and and yeah, so so I th- I, I do think Inter. Uh, sorry, I think AC Milan are are a team that that should be feared. Not feared, but I, I do think they have all what they have what it takes to, to make to, to win the league again. Um, obviously, Napoli holds the cards at the moment, but but they they do ha, they have proven to be be able to deal with adversity, uh, winning some tough games, and uh, AC Milan continued to to roll uh, at least in the league. Um, 
again, they had 39% possession, and they and they and they still uh, managed uh, to significantly handle uh, uh, Juventus. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, Bologna Sampdoria split. I uh, don't really have too much to add on that one. Um, Empoli and Torino split points as well. Um, one of the games of the weekend, uh, Udinese and, and Alanta go head-to-head. Um, basically, the, the a, a pathway, sorry, a pair of underdog teams that are trying to um, make a name for themselves um, in, this, in this title race, potentially maybe Champions League for these two. Um, Udinese, who's been the biggest surprise in Alanta, play very different to what they've done the last couple of years and, and it's been uh, it's, it's paid off to a certain extent um, but Atlanta did throw away two goal lead um, um, in this game um, I, I don't think it, it makes them look good I think it makes them look a little um, exposable um, the Udinese does a good great job to, to hit back but I think Atlanta uh, will will kick themselves considering the position um, that they were in um, you know, going into going into this game and and continue to try to build on that. Um, Salernitana beat Verona. They continue to do quite well this season. Napoli absolutely annihilate Cremonese. Monza beats uh, Spezia, um, and uh, and Lazio um, take it to Fiorentina. Fiorentina has been hugely disappointing from my angle because I really thought they had something special with with uh, Vincenzo Italiano there and, and the acquisitions they brought in, I thought they did a good job building their team, and it's it's just um, it just backfired. Um, they are all the way down in 13th. Um, they have a negative four goal difference. It's, it's just been a total total epic disaster at the moment. The top six as follows, Napoli, Alonso, Lazio, Udinese, Milan, and Roma. Um, Inter are, are just outside the top six and are four points... Um, Away from uh, the top six, and and obviously they're gonna they're gonna look to try to turn their season around all that they can, um, and yeah. So Inter have been through a d- tough stretch, but it looks like they're getting their mojo back with that win, and obviously beating Barcelona uh, in the Champions League, positioning themselves potentially for the round of sixteen is is a huge deal as well. So um, so real quick, we're gonna look at the the man. The myth, the legend, uh, over here, over here. Uh, the two biggest youngsters, arguably, again, you know, everybody knows how I feel, but but Jamal Musiala and Jude Bellingham face each other in the the uh, the Classica, Bayern Munich, and Borussia Dortmund. Um, and I'm just gonna give you uh, a couple of my takeaways. Um from this match and and we're gonna see uh how everybody thinks about it um so Bayern Munich come into this game they hadn't won a game for a month they absolutely annihilate Leverkusen um uh, end up that ends up causing the the Leverkusen to sack the manager as they're as they're they're in a new era here with um Xavi Alonso who, who just um who just was hired um quite recently um so Bayern, despite this, Dortmund have been a mystery because they've been excellent in certain performances. Um, Schalke, uh, you, uh, 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 the game against Berlin was very good. Um, uh, the game against Freiburg was excellent. They were great against Hoffenheim. So there's, there's games where they've looked absolutely astounding. They look good in the Champions League against Copenhagen. They look good in the Champions League against Sevilla. They look good in the Champions League against Manchester City. Um, but... 
in the league, there have been some questionable performances. They got they, they got beaten by Cologne last week, and Cologne's a good side, but but the, it's not the type of, of team that they should be losing to. Um, then you look at um, uh, they got they got the they got the beating the brakes off by uh, by um, Leipzig, and then if you want to go even further back, we all remember the game against Warner Brennan. They have that that two uh, two goal lead and going into the 89th minute, and um, Brennan scored three times. Um, and we know that Brennan is a very productive attacking side with the potential to do big things this season. As they as they look like a real threat, as they uh, going into this game, they're in the fourth place. So maybe that defeat doesn't look as bad. But at this and, and Cologne is doing well as well, um, and uh, Leipzig are still struggling, but getting their ways up. But um, but still, uh, there are certain performances this season that have been unacceptable um, when you look at Dortmund and what they represent. And maybe Marco Royce being not there has contributed in their, their lack of performance um, recently um, as a uh, as this Dortmund team continues to try to thrive without a, a true number one striker. Um, they've had moments, obviously, but but it's it's been a, it's been so inconsistent. It's been a mystery. Because they'll play great hit in this game, and then the, and then they won't show up to the next one. So it's it's still a little, um, it, it, it's weird, um, and and they they're still showing signs of struggles, but they also have have some amazing players who have put together some incredible performances. Um, you know, this game in particular wasn't. Um, it was like a, it was a game of two halves. One of them it was just, it was just a. The first half, I didn't think Dortmund played well at all. I thought Jude Bellingham was getting lost in midfield a lot of the time, and and he's just, he's supposed to be the guy to take them to to the play to, to the next level, and um, obviously one of the best midfielders in his age group for sure in the world. We're, we'll talk about the debate between him and Jamal, which I think is is not a debate anymore. But but um, Dortmund really struggled in this game for for large portions, and then they find they find a spark at the end. Jamal Musiala just runs the midfield, uh, sets up Goretzka, sets up Sané. It looks like they're they're going to coast the three points. And um, Dortmund found that mentality because a lot of the times when I criticize Dortmund, it's about the mentality of the team and the inability to to win games uh, when they need to. And I think that's a big problem with Dortmund side that that I've I've wanted to get behind. Um, and I think they're they're they've, they've been unfortunate in certain aspects. Sebastian Haller, um, actually, obviously due to medical issues, is unable to play yet. Um, if he was able to, I think this Dortmund team would be much sharper and, and they would look like a real threat. Now it's it's kind of up in the air. It's it's unclear what they are and what they're not. Um, but they found a spark at the end. They get in cuckoo come uh, not cuckoo. They wish they had a cuckoo. Um, they get uh, Mukuku uh, to the young kid who scores again, and at the very end uh, they steal a point at home at, at Signal Duna Park. You see the ball come across from uh, Schlotterbeck. The ball's about to go out of bounds. He saves it, cuts it inside, and at the end Anthony Modest, who had been horrible, 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 horrible for Dortmund pretty much the entire season so far, he gets on the end of it and gives Dortmund a little bit of momentum. They, for the first time, Bayern have won nine in a row. The last time Dortmund didn't lose was the game in 2018 when um, Pablo Alcer, um comes in and, and wins late against Munich. Um, so that's how long it's been, and for them to get a point from this, I think is huge. They didn't play well for much of the game. 
I think the the the, the part of this that it's important is the, is the mentality showed in a positive way, and and you know, um, Edin uh, Terzic is a new man, is relatively young manager. He's 38 years old. He was take care manager for um, when they sacked um, uh, Lucien Favre. Uh, he took them to glory um, in the German Cup against Leipzig. Um, and uh, obviously, he's done well. Um, it's but it's been a little bit of, of of a roller coaster ride for him in this Dortmund team this season. And I think we're going to continue to see them try to build into what they are. Without a true number one attacker, it's been difficult for them. And um, and even though they have some amazing pieces with Bellingham in the midfield, uh, Julian Brandt uh, being a, a big time playmaker for them. Um, what they have outside, I like Rafael Guerrero at wing back. I think they have good uh, center back partnership with Sewell and Nash Schlatterbeck. I think there's a lot to like about this Dortmund team. The question had been, can they can they coexist without Haller and can they show that they have the mentality? And in some games it shows that they have it and in some games it shows that they don't. Um, but this is a huge game because they managed to get something from, from a Bayern team that despite Robert not being there, if you look at their squad, they're one of the best teams in the world and I still believe that they are um, in that class. And they hadn't won a game for a month, but the Bundesliga is getting a lot better. And that, that largely contributes into what's happening here as well. Um, but th there are some things, obviously, Bayern Munich need to improve on. But for Dortmund to come in here and go steal a point, I think, is, is huge um, in the grand scheme of things, especially they want, they want to sort of kickstart their season because it's, it's been inconsistent. They're a bit, bit of a mystery what they are and what they're not in. And this Dortmund team really wants to, to get things rolling. To, to put together a stretch of games where they're consistent and they're performing well and they're getting the points. And they haven't done that so far this season. A point against Bayern Munich should tilt them in the right direction, but but it, it's still a, a, a goddamn mystery for the Storm team of what they can do. But um, but the mentality showed at the end in stealing, and I think it's a huge, significant performance. It, it will only do great things for them if they have the right mental space and, and carry this forward um, as well. All right, there's a few things I think we can take away from this game. Um, obviously, uh, Bayern throw away two-goal lead. It's un-Bayern-like. Um, I did think they played well for the majority of it. I think it looked strong. Um, but, you know, I, I think in the end, um, Dortmund were hungry for the points, and, and it was always going to happen. Um, but I, I do think Bayern have some things to worry about. Again, I don't, I don't see this as a team that's really um, that we need to worry too much about. Again, the Bundesliga is a lot stronger than people think. Number one, number two. Um, with all being said, um, I, I think there's there's certain aspects of this team that needs to improve. Uh, look, in, in Europe, they are unbeaten. They've won every game. They have conceded. Two goals, I think, um, which is which was, and those two goals came uh, yesterday. Um, so, uh, when you look at the whole picture, they are actually doing really well in Europe, and there is a scenario where they win the Champions League and are, are unable to capitalize Bundesliga. But I do think they still probably will get there in the end. And the pressure on the other teams that are at the top of the table will mount and mount and mount. And I, I'm just not sure that the other teams that are currently fighting for the title will be able to, to keep up with, with what's going to be thrown in their direction. All right. Um, so the three takeaways I can digest from this game is, I just talked about it right there, the mystery of Dortmund, the, 
them getting this result and um, and being able to to kind of kickstart their season. But uh, yeah, they just continue to be a mystery. It's a great point. It's the it's the mo- it's they finally get a point against Bayern. It's a huge deal. They they overcame a three a two goal deficit to do it. But again, there are certain circumstances a mystery. They draw with with um, Sevilla, who are in terrible form in the Champions League, um, and uh, they they've lost some weird games in in the Bundesliga. Um, but you know, they turn it on here, and it's it's I don't know. It feels like an on off switch a bit. Um, I think when Sebastian Haller returns, uh, we'll we'll see a totally different type of transition, especially um, with what what they have. Um, at least to their disposal, and uh, they're. I think they're going to do a good job of, of putting, leasing these pieces together. I just think it needs some time to cook. And without Holler as a legitimate um, goal-scoring threat, I think they're they're in a bit of trouble in that area. Uh, although Anthony Modest finally getting a goal, um, can he build on that and score more for Dortmund? Because this was a, a real weird panic buy that they had uh, at the end of at the end of the summer. Um, but I do think that this. This Bundesliga is very interesting, and I think Dortmund are inside of it, but they're um, they got work to do. They still got work to do, but they they this is an amazing point, obviously. Um, the other point is uh, the Bayern defense. Now, I know everybody's going to get on the defense because they're not this or not that. They actually don't have bad defenders in this. You look at the first half that uh, Dayot Upacano had; he was f- just fucking fantastic during the first half. In the second half, there were some there were some silly silly mistakes made on both goals. Um, I think he needs to be just a little sharper in a lot of these aspects, um, and and I think in large part it's the silly mistakes. Delit has been very good. He makes silly mistakes. Upacano and Delit are both elite. They're both top of the game, but but there are silly mistakes that are made now. I'll be honest, if, if I was a, a guy building a team, um, Upacano would be my defender of choice. But the silly mistakes need to go, and I think Nagelsmann really needs to, to, to clamp down on these two. Not, that's not a good way to put it. Uh, they need, he needs to find a way to correct these, these uh, errors, because if they can just clean it up a bit, and you know, uh, Upacano and Delet are good 90% of the time. We see great players with Maruzi, who just came from Ajax. Um, and we're seeing they already have Benjamin Pavard and others, and I think they have good defenders, uh, Alfonso Davies as well. Um, but they just need to they need to eliminate the, the silly mistakes that ones make. Um, and if they're able to do that, I think we're, we're looking at a totally different um, Bayern who doesn't make those mistakes and doesn't lose this game. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, to build on that, the biggest takeaway of the game, and people will not like this, because I am going to speak true realities that are hard to accept. Um, you see the, sorry, these two here, Jude Bellingham, Jamal Musiala, two of the biggest talents in Germany and in, in, in that age group, um, they're among the, the elite of the elite in that age group. And again, there's Pedri, there's Kamavenga, there's Alverts is, is right at the top of the list too. You have um, uh, Agavi, if you want to say, from Barcelona as well. Um, and you can, you can even throw in some of the other ones. But, but, but there's a conversation that is often made 
Um, and it shouldn't be made anymore because it's clear that there's an obvious difference. Jude and Jamal, because they're childhood friends, because they were at the Chelsea Academy together, because one place for Bayern, one place for Dortmund, one place for Germany, one place for England, there is going to be a certain um, level of, of comparison, and there shouldn't be. Now, there is a comparison to be made among young stars in Germany, but that comparison does not involve Jude Bellingham. Um, that involves Jamal Musiala, and uh, it involves um, um, Flo Florian Wirtz. That's the comparison. It is a weird comparison to make at this moment because Wirtz is still injured and, and there's stuff to, to build on that. But I'm going to focus on these two. These two. Jamal Musiala and, and, and Jude Bellingham. Now, Jude Bellingham is absolutely amazing. He's a phenomenal footballer. Um, but he did not play his best um, in the first half, or he got a little—he got some momentum going in the second half. Um, he's a big difference maker for this Dortmund team. He scored in, uh, I think, all four of the Champions League games they played uh, in the Champions League, but doesn't have uh, has a big old goose egg goals in the Bundesliga. Now, I'm not the—I'm not a type of person that is going to base someone's quality based on goals and assists, but it is alarming that he's unable. His inability to kind of uh, to, to to kind of uh, handle these sort of situations and uh, and so. However, Jamal is is sorry. Jude Bellingham is phenomenal. He's an unbelievable player. He's a big difference maker for this Dortmund team. He even though uh, he doesn't have the stats, maybe uh, he's a phenomenal player, and I think everybody knows that. There's a lot of praise behind him in the English camp um, as well as Europe. Um, but I think uh, there's been a little bit of misguided information um, because those in the English camp are really getting behind him and, and obviously thinking about a big move going to, to Liverpool, Manchester United, something, some, whatever the case may be. I think there's a lot to, to – to, there's a likely possibility that he will one day return to the Bundesliga uh, – so to, sorry, to the Premier League. I, I do not think it is in his best interest, though, as I've explained before. Um, but there's a lot of momentum behind Jude Bellingham. And I think the English, um, uh, the English excitement behind him has made him um, has pushed this conversation. But there's no conversation to push, and I mean this genuinely. Now, while while Jude is gifted and can do all these amazing things, Jamal Musial is on a different level than practically anyone, and I think it is unfair to Jude Bellingham to be in the same conversation as Jamal Musiala. Now, it's, it's, it's impossible to escape when they're close friends. They went through the youth academy together at Chelsea, and they're playing for rival teams and rival nations. It's difficult. Inevitably, they're going to be compared. But I think, um, uh, and a lot of people even believed that Jude was better than Jamal, and I think that is, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be respectful. That is just, uh, uh, how do I say this respectfully? That tells me that you're not watching them enough regularly. These two guys have totally different pathways. And a lot of people think that Jude's going to the Premier League, and he probably is at some point. Um, Jamal isn't going to, to the Premier League. He's a German international player, and we've seen the impact he has on Germany. We've seen the impact he has on Bayern. He got into that Hansi Flick side that... Um, uh, ended up winning the Champions League. I believe he was on the Champions League uh, team. Um, 
Yeah, so he, he was on that team and won the, won the Champions League. Didn't break through to the next season where he was, I thought, was fantastic. Um, seven goals that season. Last season, he was an, it was another great season for him. Eight goals last season. And, and this year, he already has he's already has seven goals, and he has, I believe, 16 goal contributions, goals and assists. I believe he's at seven and nine. Um, so he's been a tremendous – he's been the best player in the Bundesliga this season. Um, and, again, there's close shouts with Baumgartner and Nkuku. Um, people are not having that conversation about Drew Bellingham. Um, and I think the, the difference in quality was clear. The way Jamal ran that midfield um, with his playmaking, his dribbling ability, and the way he distributed uh, Goretzka and Sané. Again, Goretzka and Sané still have to hit those strikes, but but the way Jamal continually up, up, um, put, put it up and, and just the playmaking ability we've seen from him in the Champions League and in the Bundesliga – we're not seeing a level performance from Jude in both of those categories. Jude is playing well in the Bundesliga. He's playing really well in the Champions League. Jamal is playing really well in both. And I think, you know, as good as Jude is, he, he's not the player uh, that Jamal is. And Jude is, a fan, again, a fantastic player. And I don't want to say this as a negative towards Jude Bellingham. But Jamal Musiala is just operating on a different level than most at this age. Um, he's he's gone through the academy at Bayern. He comes into this Bayern team at a very young, at a very young age. Um, I believe he even made an appearance at 16. I could be wrong about that. And then for the last three years, he's been one of the most dynamic players in the league. And with a loaded Bayern, he hasn't really been able to shine the way others may may be able to. Um, and um, Last this this year especially we've seen him play wide we've seen him play middle and regardless of what's happening at the final scores of these games he is he is being one of the big difference makers with him him and Sané have not had one bad game um, as as not as a pair but individually on, on Bayern Munich and they've had some some poor performances but Jamal the way he controls the game his his unbelievable skill set um, makes him just a different level and again. I think it's it's respectable that 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 a lot of people want Jude Bellingham and him in the same conversation, but they're clearly not. And I think the difference in performances between the two of them is clear. And um, we're seeing we're seeing Jamal play at the absolute highest level right now. And and Jude is playing again. Jude is playing very well. But I think this conversation needs to stop because I think it's unfair to put two f- close friends against each other. Number one and number two. Um, you know, there's there's just a bit of a there's a st- I won't I won't I won't be mean. There's a substantial gap between the two. Um, Jamal is just a superior player right now, and he's as Ju- as good as Jude is. Um, J- Jamal is just a few steps ahead, and and I think Jude is gonna gonna become a very efficient and <clears throat> incredible player. But Jamal Musial is just um, he he's just a few steps ahead of where Jude is now, and and. Yeah, I think there's a reason why he's been so good and why he's broken through so early. And he's he's been as dynamic as anyone. And um, the conversation regarding Jamal Musiala isn't is he the best youngster in the game? I think he is, along with Verse. But we haven't seen Verse play for a while. Um, Jamal Musiala at one point can be the best player in the world. That's how good he is. And we're only seeing that grow and grow um, through time. 
and I think there's a lot to, to like from from the game uh, that he he had in in, the, in the, against Dorman, and he continues to impress pretty much every time he touches the pitch. He's he's a he's the definition of a game changer. He can make uh, things happen out of nothing a lot of times, and he's very dynamic. And he's been exactly what Bayern Munich have needed the last couple of years. And um, yeah, Jamal is just a different level, and it's, that's no disrespect to to Jude at all. And Jude is going to grow into an amazing player, but I think. Um, the conversations between them are just not accurate. The conversation we have about Jamal is, is Jamal Musiala the best player in the league? We're not having that conversation about Jude because there is a bit of a, uh, a gap between them, and because of their history, people like to make that conversation into something. But I, I genuinely, if, if you're watching the game, you're paying attention to, to the way he impacts Bayern Munich. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's much in this just because he's – He's just on a different level, unfortunately, and, and Jude is, is, is incredibly good, um, but there are levels to this, and I think when you watch that game, all 90 minutes, you see the difference between the two, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, the fact of the matter is Jamal is just a step ahead. Uh, as far as young players in the world, it's a conversation between him and Wirtz, but Jamal Musial has the highest ceiling of, out of any youngster in the game. And I think he's the best out of all of them right now. Um, I don't think that's that disputable. And and with the you know, he's just so influential, so impactful. He can do so many things. There's, there's mutually nothing he can't do. And now he's he's having his true breakout season where he's getting the numbers behind that, which is the the eight goals and sorry seven goals and nine assists or whatever the case may be um, with Jamal. And and I think he's only going to continue to to show that he is he is one of the not even the best young players in the world. He's one of the best players in the world this season. So it is, it is a different level while, while Jude is going to continue to develop. And I think he's going to get a big move to the Premier League and, and he's going to do well and he's going to find his footing. Um, but uh, but Jamal is just, uh, he's a few steps ahead. And that's all right. It's nothing against Jude because uh, I think Jude is an absolutely fantastic player. But I think um, Jamal Musial for England is the one that got away. And you see the impact he makes with the Spiron side um, on a regular basis in the biggest games in the Champions League. In, in uh, De Classica, he just is an um, absolute uh, symphony of brilliance and, uh, and so on. I, I know I'm kind of talking in circles, but I, I, just, I just think that, um, yeah, he's just special. He's a special kid, and, and um, you very rarely see a, a player of this age come through the, the Munich academy and be this impactful this early and he's he's just simply the best young player in the world and again i i you could even argue you want to go teenage years from 20 years old and down fair enough he's probably the best in that group in the next group um from 20 21 22 23 he's not the best of that group yet but he's he has the potential to to be better than a lot of these these guys that are very highly rated and and so he's bridging the gap in a lot of ways in the way he performs, his versatility in the way that Nagelsmann is getting the best out of him is just uh, incredible to see. And, and, um, and as, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say about this is Jude is special, but he's not Jamal. Real quick, I'm just going to look at the Bundesliga um, right now and, and – um, and we're gonna we're just gonna go through what happened this week, and I don't want to cut through. I, I spent a lot of time on the on the Bayern game, um, 
still trying to figure out this solo podcast thing, so so bear with me. Um, Bochum beat Frankfurt for the first one of the season. Um, they're still in trouble because they're still only got four points, but the team in 16 has six points. If they get it going, I, I, I do think that they can, they can um, continue to, to build on that and maybe get themselves out of the bottom. Uh, Friday clash, Werner Brenner, Hoffenheim, um, amazing game. Um, Werner, um, been such a surprise this season. Hoffenheim, I think, was really harsh. Who lose this game by a late penalty, um, but I think Hoffenheim are going to get back on that horse and, and start picking up points more regularly. Both of these teams near the top of the summit in, in, in Germany. Uh, Leverkusen score four past Schalke. Xabi Alonso's first game in charge went as well as it possibly could have in the uh, in the Bundesliga and the Champions League. It was a polar opposite because they got pumped by Porto, but but um, it was a great first start for Xabi Alonso in uh, in the Bundesliga. Uh, Osberg and Wolfsburg split. After the, the win for Wolfsburg uh, last week, um, they failed to, to get it cooking again, and it's, uh, it's, a, big, it's a big problem. Um, Mainz and Leipzig, again, Leipzig played very well, but Mainz is a tough, tough team to, to deal with. Um, but in doing so, uh, Leipzig uh, are not – they're struggling, um, but there's, there's optimism that they're going to continue to push forward against – other teams, and I want to see them catch fire and, and fight for that Champions League spot. But but it's uh, it, they did not start well, and they're 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 still finding a little bit of inconsistency here and there, even after uh, bringing back um, Werner, and and they have so many tools to use. But um, and Kuku get on, gets on the score sheet again, but Mainz uh, Mainz played very well against Leipzig. They played him tough, and and ultimately that's what we saw. Um, Glogbach for the first time in a co- in, in a couple meetings. Um, pump uh, Cologne in the um, in the uh, the I almost said Revere Derby in the um, uh, in the Derby against um, against Glogbach Glogbach uh, puts five past Cologne um, so there's there Freiburg str- um, struggle to, to get a point against Hertha Berlin but get there in the end um, and then final game was Union Berlin getting uh, getting um, Stuttgart. Um, at the very end as well, um, as they, uh, st- I believe, stay, stay top. We're looking at Union Berlin, Freiburg, Bayern, Dortmund, Werder, and um, uh, Glogbach, Hoffenheim um, uh, at the top of the Bundesliga table. All right, um, I'm going to run through my uh, 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 big takeaways from the Champions League um, this week. Um, and then I'll, I'm just going to kind of just kind of glide through the rest of it. Um, first and foremost, um, I think uh, the Shakhtar Donetsk uh, uh, situation from um, I think it was Tuesday was absolutely beautiful. Um, look, um, the Ukraine has been um, through an awful lot as a country. They've, they've uh, since basically since Russia invaded that invaded Ukraine uh, recently, they they really um, have been. Um, uh, uh, it's just it's been it's been a, it's just been a um, sorry I can't speak. Uh, it, it's been a very difficult um, uh, situation, not only for the Ukraine but for the the, the families and the people affected. Um, them actually still pl- getting to play this season is is a victory in itself. I, they are playing in uh, Poland, um, and they've done pretty well in the Champions League group. They got a they lost to Real Madrid last time, 
They got a point against Celtic, and they beat Leipzig in Germany. They, they're doing well uh, for themselves, but but the moment... Um, but what we saw from Shakhtar Donetsk uh, against Real Madrid was, was special. Um, Shakhtar, um, go up... <clears throat> go in front in this game um, and manage, uh, manage to hold on to until the very end. Obviously, Antonio Rudiger sacrifices himself uh, to score a goal, um, at, at, you know, getting, getting um, basically punched. Okay, that's a bad word. Get, getting knocked out, the wind out of him, basically, um, from the keeper as he's coming out as a boss punching. They collide. He gets his head on the ball. He gets, he gets absolutely laid out. There's, start, there's blood dri- dripping down his face and, and uh, cleaning it. Yeah, they <laughs> – anyway, they just they – just, it, it was just like a, a Roman gladiator moment. It's that German mentality that we we fight until the end, and they they end up doing it. Um, he ends up getting at the end of the ball, and unfortunately, Shakhtar uh, did fall short in, in the long run. Um, as far as the way uh, that we would have liked, it's still a beautiful moment. They took a point off the European champions, a team that is probably uh, going to be one of the teams winning it again. Um, just a, just incredibly a incredible moment for for the country. Um, for everything uh, that they are going through, and uh, this is this was a, a moment uh, uh, deeper than football. And Shakhtar are within distance of potentially making the uh, Champions League round of 16. They're one point behind Leipzig. Uh, I do not think they're going to beat Leipzig, but um, if they if they if they end up third in this group and um, and make the Europa League uh, round of uh, 32, I think that would be great too to see them. Perform at a high level and um, and potentially do the impossible in the Europa League. In the Champions League, I think it's basically a guarantee they're getting knocked out immediately. With Europa League, maybe they could get up, get some run. And with the with the spirit of Ukraine inside of them, I think they could they could potentially do something. Again, I don't know for sure, but I, I think they have the potential to give it all this result and the emotional aspect of it that you know it will fire them up, give them confidence to to go and continue to, to perform at this level in the Champions League. Um, yeah, and we've seen them have success against, uh, against, uh, against Real Madrid in the past um, and so on and so forth. But, but to see them potentially um, go on a run, whether it's the Champions League or Europa League, I think that will be a really cool moment. And even if they get dis- dismantled in the Champions League round of uh, 16, I think it would be a really cool moment. I think it would be really awesome. Um, if they were gonna, uh, sorry, I think it'd be awesome for them to to just get an opportunity to to be on that big stage with with the other European uh, giants um, that will be in that camp. Um, so uh, just an incredible, beautiful moment from Ukraine. All right. Uh, speaking of absolute carnage, um, what we saw. Um, in the uh, in the Inter Milan game against Barcelona was awesome. Um, now, if you remember correctly, um, Barcelona lost to Inter Milan. There were some potentially controversial decisions where Pedri got a goal ruled out, and there wasn't a, a handball called uh, given uh, for Denzel Dumfries. There was huge hypocrisy uh, as uh, a Xavi. Um, Kind of whined and cried about the officials and everything that uh, happened in that game, and you know it, it doesn't actually matter um, if he's right or not. 
Because you have to think about who he's coming from and the club he, he he's managing. Barcelona spent $200 million that they do not have. They basically put themselves in bankruptcy. Um, they're so far in debt. Uh, it's up to here. Um, and they were allowed to do so. That's why most football fans do not respect um, Barcelona and don't have that kind of soft spot for them anymore. Um, it has ruined a lot of people's perception of Barcelona as they've become incredibly alike, unlikable by people who used to adore them, myself included. Um, they got away with things that most clubs would not be able to do. Um, they spent all this money. They got all of these signings. They spent more than anybody when they don't have the money in the first place. So it's, it's a very difficult um, thing to do. And, and obviously, uh, basically UEFA just looked the other way. So, with that being said, Xavi complaining is so hypocritical, and I'm going to tell you why. How many times have we seen Barcelona get huge benefits from horrid refereeing? Uh, PSG Barcelona is, one, is an example. Um, you look at how many, during the era where they were dominating, how many benefited, how much they benefited from this. When Xavi was a player, he was on the pitch, in 2009 against Chelsea, the most horrifying refereeing in Champions League history. Go back and watch it. They Chelsea were robbed in plain sight. The facts are in the first leg. Sorry, in the, in the first game between these two teams, Barcelona were outplayed. They they did not deserve a point. They were not the better team. So whether or not the calls were injustice does not make a difference. If you played like crap, you don't deserve the three. You don't deserve you don't deserve points just based on the fact that that there were some spotty decisions being made. I'm not going to have that. That is completely and utterly unacceptable for him to sit up here on his high horse as if he did not directly benefit from so many uh, decisions. What we saw in 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 uh, at the camp new this this uh, Wednesday was was terrific. Barcelona. Enter the the qualifying is uh, for the round of sixteen is basically based on whoever comes out on top. Barcelona have to play Bayern Munich, who have maximum points, beat Victoria Pilsen again. They beat they beat Bayern, they beat Inter. They beat they they have maximum points. Barcelona have them next, which means they needed to win this game. And. Uh, It was, it was well played by both sides. I thought Inter, over their last three games, have looked really good. They look like a team that, that uh, after the Roma loss, have benefited from... They, they put together some really great performances, and it, I think it's potentially going to kickstart the season um, for Inter Milan um, in, 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 you know, for the next couple of weeks. I know they're, I think, four points out of the top out of the top five. Um, but I do think they can get things going now that they have some confidence and momentum about them. Winning uh, winning that game in, in, in Milan was huge. They, they went to, on the weekend, they beat uh, Sassuolo late, which, is, which, which gives them more confidence. They go into this in the best possible mind frame. Lukaku's not there still, I don't think, um, and it's not like they need him because he's they've been able to turn this around without him. Inevitably, it's end-to-end. -end. It's very good from both teams. 
We're seeing uh, go great goalkeeping from Tristegen and from Onana, um, who really should be the starting goalkeeper for in the league matches as well for Inter, but they're not doing that for some reason. Um, then you look on the flip side, Dembele scores. They start very well. Um, and then Barella hits back with a goal of his own uh, in, in the second half. And then we see uh, an absolutely amazing goal from Lutaro Martinez, a one, uh, a solo goal, um, dropping the defender and then hitting a, a missile into the into the post and then into the other post in the back of the net. They take the lead, and then obviously Robert Lewandowski comes up, scores again. Then Inter score with Gozens late with a couple minutes. I think it might have been stoppage time or right before. But then Robert Lewandowski rescues them at the very end of, of the game um, with a header. Both take, take a point. Inter take a point. Inter now coming into this are one step ahead of Barcelona in the, in the table. They have one more point. They play Victoria Pilsen. If they win against Victoria Pilsen, they will go through. If they get a point, if they if, if they lose or something to Pilsen and Bayern Munich beats Barcelona, they go through. So basically, Inter's job is very simple. They just need to beat the, the, the Czech side who has no points, and they will be in the round of 16, or Barcelona will be back in the um, in the Europa League. Now, um, Xavi, after all that talk, and he did all the crying, the complaining, all the injustice this, injustice that, um, was humbled. Um, on, on Wednesday, basically saying that Barcelona does not deserve um, to play in the Champions League. Um, and based on their performances we've seen, it's it's true. And if they were in an easier group, maybe they'd be doing better. But but with the two very challenging teams in this group, they've been outplayed. They were outplayed by, by Bayern. Again, that was a good game. Barcelona did play well, but they lost. And then Inter, Inter outplayed them twice. Um, and Xavi basically admits that they're not good enough to play in the Champions League. And if the rules were the if the rules were not totally corrupt, um, the loser Champions League teams wouldn't go down the Europa League. Um, now they'll go down the Europa League. They'll probably do well. Maybe they'll, they'll win it. But but there's there's a certain level of pressure. I know they're top of La Liga, but what I've always said about this Barcelona team as it was being built has been proven true. Without Robert Lewandowski, they're nothing special. There's nothing remotely special about this team without him. He is scoring um, a high number of goals this season. I think he's like 14 or 15 goals this campaign. They're going to build on this, and they're going to try to beat Real Madrid in, in the El Clasico this weekend. And on, to wrap all that into this this ordeal, they have um, they have handled themselves. Inter just Inter beat Barcelona, and they got a point. And again, it was an amazing 3-3 draw. The fact that they, they were able to outclass Barcelona twice is the reason they're most likely going into the round of 16. And I think that's that's hugely important since mentality was kind of the issue with Barcelona. Uh, sorry, with Inter prior to this. They picked up, they beat Barcelona, they got a draw against Barcelona, and they beat Sassuolo. That's three good performances in a row. Before that, they they had lost uh, to, to uh, Udinese and Roma back-to-back. -back. Um, so in all in all. All things considered, um, I think you look at there's so much about Inter that they're they're going to be motivating kickstart this, and I think we're going to start to see their best. And again, this is a scary team when they're cooking, and it, it seems like they're they've had enough, and they're they're starting to to really um, uh, look like a team that's 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 the one we thought we were going to see. Again, there's a lot of work to be done in the league. 
But getting them to the round of 16, basically the, they have gone one foot into the round of 16 as long as they take care of their business is impressive. While Barcelona, after all the money they spent, corruptly, the corrupt money that they spent, after everything that was said about this team going this, doing that, sitting top of the league up, fair enough. But after all that, the complaining, they couldn't beat, they could not outclass Inter Milan, and because of that, they were likely going into the Europa League. Um, but after everything that was said by Xavi, this is what they deserved, and, and it, uh, it karma did bite back uh, for Inter Milan. Um, and now Inter Milan are going to be fired up from, from these performances, and I think they're going to be a much more difficult team over the next uh, over the next month or two in, in the league, and I think they can make up ground, and, and uh, they're not out of it yet, no, uh, not by a long shot. They got some ground to make up, no doubt, um, and they need those performances in the, in the league as well. But coming off the Champions League group stage uh, and the way they performed, I think they'll be very happy with how everything went, and... Um, and now you're going to look like it. I think we're going to see an Inter team that's that's really fired up to do to do the business, especially in the league where they they need some they need to, to start picking up points. I think we're going to see an, uh, a a stretch of consistency where they're basically collecting points regularly. Um, and Roma was fortunate to beat them when they did because uh, I think this is going to be a tough team to play, especially thriving off the energy and the emotion of of, of outdueling Barcelona twice, which is which is huge. And now they they can potentially go on a deep run in the Champions League. Um, again, maybe they go back into the league and they, they don't perform, but I, I think this Inter team are going to be top-notch. Um, when, when, when things, I think they're going to really start cooking the league, and I think um, the top five or six teams in Italy are going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks because I really do think Inter are going to start, start playing uh, elite football and, and make up the ground that they, they've lost after a really, really rough start to the season. But I think they're going to... They're going to start to click, and, and they could be a very dangerous side to, to, to play over the next couple of weeks for sure. Uh, just the Barcelona performance, I think, gives them all the energy they need to, to get things uh, back and rolling. All right, look. Um, there's something interesting happening in Belgium um, in the Champions League. Um, and uh, I think we may have found our Ajax or Benfica or Villarreal of the Champions League this season. Now, it depends on matchups in the round of 16, but uh, Club Rouge have more or less locked up a, uh, a uh, top spot in the group and a spot into the round of 16 um, with uh, a, a goalless draw against Atletico Madrid, who don't look good um, in the um, in the group stage um, so far. And uh, they beat Atletico Madrid. Um, they've beaten Porto. They beat Leverkusen. So they've won, th- they've won all three of their games um, coming into yesterday. They got a point yesterday. They have not conceded a goal um, this season in the Champions League. And they have scored, I believe, uh, like seven, eight, seven or eight goals. Um, so I'm going to check that. Um, but we're looking at a um, – sorry. Uh, we're, we're looking at a team – that is is really doing the most right now, and four wins, sorry, three wins a draw, seven goals, no, no, none against. There is not another team in this competition that has conceded, um, that hasn't conceded any goals. Um, and and we're talking about the best of the best. Um, 
Bayern just because yesterday Bayern um, Bayern conceded two against Pilsen. Um, not going to really affect their their shit, but but um, yeah, it's, it's just a really uh, odd one because uh, this was a wide open group considering the teams um, involved in it. But um, I think we found our underdog story um, of uh, of this Champions League group. I think they they're building something nice there. They have good players, as well coached. They've been the underdogs the entire time. I don't think they were favored in one of their games. So they're really th- thriving off of this really incredible energy. <clears throat> and we're, we're seeing the, the, the benefits of this team and the way they are playing right now. They are eight points on the top of the league in the Belgium, Royant, Antwerp are, are top right now. So it doesn't seem like uh, Club Bruges really um, ha- have a, a big chance of winning the league which means all their momentum and confidence will be into this competition, will be in this uh, uh, team um, that, that we're going to see um, in the round of 16. I do think they're going to go unbeaten in the group, and, and as long as they defend the way they have. Um, now, granted, they're going to be bigger teams, but if you look at the group that, that's, that's established, there are some big-time attackers in, in, within this, these teams, and they're still managing to find a way um, to come through and 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 get results and not not concede goals, not conceding goals. That's the main thing. And uh, regardless of how things finish, they are likely to be underdogs in the next round of the round of sixteen. I do think they're going to win the group, and, and it's going to be it's going to be amazing um, to, to see if this they can keep this going. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I think it's really impressive what they're doing. They're defending well. They they're scoring enough goals. They're 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 a very interesting team that I, I don't think has had much success um, in the Champions League up to this point. So getting to the round of 16 is going to be a hugely historic moment, historical moment for them as a club as well. And and basically, what the Bruges, they're just coming in here and, and performing and providing uh, the type of performances we want to see uh, from a team like this. And uh, they're they're thriving on that underdog mentality and continuing to perform well. And I, uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the last game. Um, I think it's against Porto. Um but I, I really uh, no, I think it might be against Liverpool because I don't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, regardless if they if what happens in their last game, they are going to be through to the next round, and um, it sets up a perfect parallel for them to to be the 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 team that um, that kind of flies under the radar and continues to do well. All of the eggs are in this basket. Again, eight points can be erased, but it's going to be difficult to do so. Um, and it's just been a tremendous to watch these guys from a distance and the way they played and, and performed at a high level. And it's, it's been absolutely sensational. Um, Napoli, um, what, what to say here? Um, Cavara and Raspadori have been an absolute threat for this Naples side that is, as I mentioned, is doing so well in the league. Um, and is also, uh, I think they're on pace to finish top of the Champions League group. They might have already clinched it. Um, they've found their, their spot in the round of 16. I do think that uh, they, they have, they've never made it out of the round of 16 before. This is probably the best opportunity to do so. They're unbeaten in the league. Uh, they're unbeaten in the Champions League. They beat, they, beat, uh, they beat Ajax twice, once in Amsterdam and once in, um, once in Naples. Again, it's not, it's, it's not the best Ajax team we've seen in comparison to past years. It's not been the, the, the best, but, but they're still an elite team with, that has some really uh, 
nice um, uh, pieces uh, correlated. Uh, they smacked up Liverpool um, and uh, they beat Rangers. Um, the last game they have against Rangers, wait, no, I think they played Rangers twice. I think they, they haven't played uh, Liverpool at Anfield yet. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see uh, how they perform because Liverpool obviously got, got themselves back on track with a huge win against Rangers. Uh, a hat trick in seven minutes from Mohamed Salah, who has not been playing well this season, um, at least from what I've seen. Um, uh, so so uh, this Napoli team is just next level. Cavara is maybe the best player I've seen um, at Napoli. I know it's crazy to say that. I know it's early to say that. But, but in terms of the eye test and performance, I don't remember anybody starting this hot. He is the biggest difference maker in that group. He's the biggest difference maker in Italy. He's been the best player in Italian football. He's been one of the best players in in the Champions League. He is just uh, everything. Uh, they everything and then some. Um, they didn't have to spend much. Uh, he's a guy at Ruben Kazan who was doing well, um, and then uh, um, he makes the move for I think fifteen million or something. And um, and eventually there is going to be big clubs circling. He's just absolutely fantastic. And Raspadori, who I've rated for a very long time, in um, uh, yeah, in Sassuolo comes to Napoli is absolutely balling in the uh, in the Europa, in, in in the doing well in the league, but balling in the in the Champions League. I think he's got four goals in five games. He's exactly the type of player you have, and then you you add into the fact that Victor Olsen is back, and the three of them together uh, make it very difficult for anyone to really stop them. Uh, they are a matchup nightmare for literally anyone, um, even for uh, the likes of of you know, City and Bayern and Real Madrid. Now, they're not better than any of those teams, and there is probably a good amount of teams that are better than them, but that attack is is amazing. And if you look at what Lukian Spalletti has done, they lost Koulibaly, Insigne, uh, Mertens. They did well with the defense, uh, bringing in uh, Kim Hin Jade from Fernabache. They, they brought in uh, some nice pieces. They uh, Obviously, Kavara and Raspadori come in, and, and they, they've, they've just made the right type of decisions. Uh, in, in the market, and um, they didn't spend a lot. They only really spent on, on Raspadori. They made some some really cheap type of buys, and it's gone at work for them. But but then the, the kid and the, the 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 Georgian maestro um, in uh, in Kavara is just really the the epitome of what they've done. He's been absolutely sensational, and in, if he keeps this pace, no, he's going to be player of the season in Serie A, and he's going to be one of the the standout stars in the in the in the Champions League and. Again, I've, I've, I detest the fans, but as, as a club there, I have so much respect for them and what they, they've done and what they're going to continue to do with this team. Spalletti is, uh, is really doing magic. Uh, he's come back and he's revolutionized a, a Napoli side that, was, that had some issues. Um, he's lost all these pieces. He's put it together in, in, a, in a really beautiful, magical way. And... Um, you know, there's lots to like, but the kid from the Kavara kid is, is just absolutely sensational. And if he stays at Napoli and continues to do well, Munich, Madrid, Liverpool, City, you, all the biggest clubs in the world are going to be calling for his name because he really is that special. I, I, you, you could even say potentially outside of Neymar, Kobe, Gabrat, and, uh, and Holland, he's been, he's been a top five player in the world this season. He's been... He has been the bargain of of this window from any team. I think he's he he just 
He's just so good, so comfortable on the ball, can hit it from anywhere, knows where to position himself to score goals. He's he's just a phenomenal talent. You add with Raspadori, who's who's someone I rate highly, who's who's earned his move to a bigger club, and um, and now is 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 living in it and and doing really well there. And I'm so happy for him and and what he's been able to do. And then this team also has other pieces. Victor's always injured, but coming back. And, and scoring goal is, is exactly what we need. This Napoli team is 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 terrifying, and I could see them going on a deep run in this Champions League, maybe a semifinal, maybe a quarterfinal. I, I do think they'll finally get past the round of sixteen in the league. Um, we'll have to ask some questions because they have not been uh, they have not been tested that much. And they beat AC Milan, but AC Milan's half team is injured. Um, but when when a game does not go well. I want to see how they how they respond to adversity, and we haven't we haven't quite seen that part of Napoli in the league, and and until we see that, we won't have truly an idea of what we have. But this is a title contender, and this is a team that could go very deep in the Champions League because they have all the pieces in attack, and I do think the defense can be can be swallowed against a a better a better uh, run of, of teams. Um, Liverpool's been been obviously uh, been dealing with some stuff, but I, I think we'll really get to see what. What they were really capable of in this um, in this space, um, uh, you know, with with um, with Liverpool getting back on the right track, and I think that matchup is going to be particularly um, breathtaking in, in a lot of ways. All right, that's going to do it actually for me tonight. Um, there's three topics I'm going to discuss next week in detail. Um, I'm probably going to do one earlier in the week, so I don't have to do Champions League and uh, domestic leagues, just because I think it's going to take too long that way. Um, but um, I believe Erling Holland has become a, a um, he's, he's, I mean, he's doing crazy shit in City, but, but I believe he's become a boring player to watch. Um, very different than the one we saw in Dortmund. I'm going to explain that further next week. I'm also going to break down uh, De Rossi taking over at Spall and what that can mean for, um, for his ultimate uh, uh, pathway to p- potentially being a Roma manager in the years to come and, and, how I think he'll he'll manage in Serie B uh, with Spal, a team that's struggling, um, and then we got to talk about the demands Mbappe trying to squeeze his way out of Paris again. Unbelievable plays with Neymar, Messi, and, and has the complaint. And I think this is uh, it, it's just ridiculous. But um, well, I'll cover all that stuff and more on next week's episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.